to the 7 o'clock hour, and it's 41 degrees outside in uh, Cabot 43, Conway 43, Hot Springs 43, and out in Pine Bluff, it is now 43 degrees. So uh, pretty, uh, you know, normal for this uh, time of year, to be honest. Rain today, rain tonight, rain tomorrow, and by Friday, we get to Friday it's saying that we're going to have mostly sunny skies then with a high near 53 degrees. Hope that you watched the president's State of the Union address last night. I thought it was uh, a great uh, speech, clocked in at about mm, 74 minutes or so. Uh, I didn't watch the whole speech. I watched uh, probably the first 45, 50 minutes of it. I watched through Rush getting the uh, the Medal of Freedom, which was excellent. Uh I missed, I guess, was it at the end that uh, Pelosi tore the president's speech up? Was it as she as it was all over with? Uh, she tore the speech up, which was just, as I like to say, uh, Bush. Now, that terminology comes from sports. Now, Bush is being in the lower leagues, the minor leagues. In fact, the very low minor leagues. And that's exactly what. Uh, the Speaker of the House showed herself to be last night, as well as the whole Democratic Party, as far as I was concerned. Joining us right now from D.C., live with us on the Dave Ellswick Show, is none other than Congressman French Hill. And, Congressman, thanks for changing your time frame with us now that we're in the mornings and being part of the show on Wednesdays again. And uh, I appreciate you, you making the time for us. Happy to do it, Dave. Great to be with you. And, uh, yeah, it was a shocking end to a speech when the speaker just tore it in half and just threw it on the desk. It yeah, was, here, here's my a, question. It was, it was a sad e- ending to the evening. What does it say for a party that sits on their hands when you're telling folks you got the lowest unemployment the country's ever had, you got the highest employment for uh, you know African Americans and Hispanics in, in basically the history of the country. They can't even applaud for that. That just shows me, you know how, I don't know how small that party has become. Well, that's been going for three years. I mean, the Democrats in the House, the Democrats control the House now, and since President Trump was inaugurated, they have been. Uh, they despise the fact that he won the election, and they have been working to impeach him the whole time. They have been working a legislative agenda that is not bipartisan, that has not reached out to cooperate truly in a bipartisan way. We've had some, uh, we've had some positive things in the opioid arena and in the surprise billing arena, so I don't want to take anything away from the the smaller policy items that we've tackled. And, of course, we've gotten the defense authorization bill uh, completed, and the Democrats, uh, I would say, uh, caved or ultimately agreed with President Trump's view on border security. 
Yeah, but, very, very small parts of border security. Yeah, but you know, it, it, it. I don't want to take anything away from the things that have gotten done, and we're glad they've gotten done, particularly in the opioid area. Did I, did I not, things. did I not see the Democrats stand up, or some of the women stand up during the speech, and say shame towards the president? Yes. Um, when the president was talking about the dangers of sanctuary cities and how sanctuary cities reduce respect for law enforcement and allow dangerous felons who happen to be illegal aliens to continue to stay in the country and create crime, the Democrats were clearly upset by that, and they began verbalizing. And then when he uh, defended prayer in school and the Second Amendment is when uh People got up. Uh, some people got up and walked out. One person stood up and, and uh, shouted at the president. Amazing. So it, it was um, generally, the, while quiet and sitting on their hands, I would say most of the speech, they were reasonably respectful. And during a number of major points the president made, from the economy to foreign policy to fixing broken immigration to fixing a broken health care system to helping uh, school choice, you know, lots of issues. He covered the waterfront. A mixture of Democrats stood, you know, and supported the points. So he obviously uh, got some support from the other side of the aisle last night. Well, that, that's good. I'm glad, I'm glad to hear that. Let's talk a little bit more about the, the state of the uh, the union speech last night, because for, I don't care if you hate Donald Trump, you cannot deny the fact that this president has gotten more done than just about any president that I've seen. And look, I've seen a lot of them, Congressman. I've I've uh, I remember him all the way back to Eisenhower, of all things. Right. Right. Well, it was a perfectly appropriate for him to start out the speech and talk about the most important thing that's on the mind of our citizens. And it was when I ran the first time in 2014. And what is that? It's having a job, Mm -hmm. having good income, having good opportunity and being proud of your country. And he spent a good part of the speech taking, walking people through and who are watching at home and listening uh, in their car radios to the economic policy changes he made, regulatory reform, made a pledge to, for every regulation that he would reform or put in, he would cut to. He's done more than that. He made major tax reforms, tax reforms that Democrats lobbied for for years to end double taxation on corporate income earned outside the U.S. And he tackled trade issues with China, with reforming the NAFTA, creating the USMCA, reforming the Korean deal. And you know what? He did it in a way that got over 300 votes in the House, meaning he did that in a major bipartisan way to do those trade deals. Come on. And so so he was right to talk about rising real wages. And whose wages grew the fastest? Those at the bottom. Yeah. Yeah. And it's infuriating, I think, to hear people twist this and run down our country's economy when these are policies that for decades were goals of the United States, and he's put them in place. And so a big part of the talk was about how America's economic policy is better and the economy is growing and there's more opportunities for African-Americans, for Latinos, for women, 
for small business, uh, and he was, I think, right to argue that case strongly. Yeah, and, and, and talking about how many more people have jobs now, people who had considered themselves completely out of the job market, weren't even looking anymore, came back, they now have jobs. How many people have come off of food stamps and welfare? You know, we were talking about this in the last hour, had Dennis Milligan on, the state treasurer, and we were talking about, you know, rising tide lifts all boats, and there was a great president who said that back in the early 60s, and it's as true today as it was then. And uh, this rising tide is lifting everybody up. He said, you know, my policies are pro-worker, pro-family, pro-growth, and who wants to be against that? And they are. And 7 million new jobs, lowest unemployment in 50 years. 72% of the new jobs created went to women. And uh, the highest uh, income growth rate and the lowest unemployment rate for high school diploma only folks. So, and I, I tell you something you just touched on. When he mentioned the drop in those on the welfare rolls or those on food stamps, um, I won't say the Democrats booed, but they groaned and made a lot of noise as if that was a bad thing, that people have gotten lifted yeah. themselves up and gotten a job and gotten off a welfare program. I, I don't, I just, I, I, I don't understand it. Well, I believe, still believe, I know there's a lot of people who don't believe this anymore, but I do believe that most Americans still want to feel good about themselves, and the best way to feel good about yourself is to have a job that pays enough that you can raise your family or just take care of yourself without somebody else having to send you a check in the mail or something. I, I, it, it, you know, we, we, we increased the child credit and the family uh, exemptions in the tax reform, benefiting more families, putting more money directly in the pockets of families. And then the president, as you know, advocated with his daughter and others for uh, family leave policies that are more expansive. And again, these are issues that are pro-family, uh, pro-worker, have been advocated by members of the other political party for years, and they did not uh, applaud. I mean, they just didn't react. So there were there were tough moments last night on the economic policy front, but it got worse uh, yeah. as he talked about rebuilding our military and um, changing the direction of our foreign policy to make more of a leadership position for the U.S. And again, and I was stunned when he talked about the defeat of ISIS, a primary goal of the Obama administration. And not one, achieved. not any applause from the other side. Nope. Nope. I mean, when just when when you defeat terrorists and you can't applaud, you need to sit somewhere and look deep inside yourself. Yeah, I mean, I'm. I have to tell you, I grew up, and you know, uh, in an age where we really worked hard, even in the divisive nature of Vietnam, to try to have a common foreign policy, and that the old expression from probably the Eisenhower administration on, and the Cold War was, we were unified off the off America's shores, and 
Uh, Scoop Jackson, Democrat of state of Washington, was certainly a leader on that. Jack Kennedy, as president, was a leader on that. I think many during the 70s, during the Nixon-Carter years, attempted to achieve that. Uh, So this is what is concerning to me, is that we are divisive around these foreign policy issues that are about keeping America safe, working with our allies in Asia to make sure that we block uh, strategic and aggressive behavior by our friends in China, and then in the Middle East, that we preserve uh, a chance at peace and blocking Iran's attempt now to create their own Shia caliphate spanning from Lebanon around to, obviously, Iran and across the Across the sea to Lebanon uh, to Yemen, so mm-hmm. we should be united around this. I I I think so. I thought so, and, and you know, keeping Iran from getting in a you know a, a nuke would think that everybody would be uh, ready to stop that. I mean, I understand Omar and some of the others might not be, but the the majority, the super majority of yep. the other party should be again uh, all for that as well. Congressman, we've got to get a break in. Let's do that. When we come back, I want to talk to you about the Golden Fleece. I want to talk about impeachment, and I want to talk about the coronavirus with you real quickly as we continue here on the Dave Ellswick Show. 19 minutes after 7 in the morning, it's 41 degrees. It's 43 degrees everywhere else. All right, 23 minutes after 7, 41 degrees. Look for rain today, tonight, tomorrow, and then on Friday, partly cloudy skies High tomorrow, 41. High on Friday, 53. Joining us from uh, Washington, D.C., live right now, here on the Dave Ellswick Show, Congressman French Hill, and it's good to have him. Tell us about the Golden Fleece Award, Congressman. Well, as you know, when I first was elected in 2014, when I got in office in 2015, I reinvigorated the old Golden Fleece from back in the 70s, from Bill Proxmire up in Wisconsin, Looking for those folks in government who are just taken from the taxpayers and not handling things right. This month, I've given the award to the Food and Drug Administration for failing to issue fines against clinical trial sponsors, so that's the big drug companies, who don't disclose their trial results within one year. And this is a big deal. We want faster access to life-saving medicines. We want it at lower cost, and part of that is the clinical trial process, and when those results are finished, We ought to know what they are and issue that research within one year. And only when we looked at the numbers from the uh, Inspector General reports, only 41% of the 4,000 clinical trials done in 2017 were sent their results in within a year. And the FDA can fine those drug companies for not doing that 10,000 bucks a day. So Wow. Uh, That's meaningful. And look, if we have these rules, they're in there for a reason, which is to speed uh, data to researchers and uh, life-saving uh, doctors and clinicians, and so let's let's move. So they were the big golden fleecer of the month. Yeah, well, that's uh, that's good. I I like that you gave them the award because, uh, you know, getting you know ch- checking on these drugs and getting them out on the market as quickly as possible is is really really important for the American people. All right, so today we've learned that, uh, well, I guess it was late last night, that Senator Collins, mm-hmm. Senator Murkowski, both are going to vote for the acquittal of the president. We haven't, I, don't, I haven't heard, maybe he's announced, I don't know, but I haven't heard what Romney intends to do 
But it's looking to me like we may see a handful of Democrats join Republicans in this acquittal of the president, a big day for uh, President Donald Trump. Well, that certainly uh, appears to possibly, you know, be the case from the reporting at the Capitol. Uh, Look, that's it was an excruciating process. It's only been going on since January 20th, 2017. Yeah. And so another chapter in this saga of trying to destroy President Trump by House Democrats will come to a close today about 4 p.m. Eastern time when Mitch McConnell will move on the Senate floor, up or down votes on the two articles of impeachment, probably two different votes, I would think that was done mm-hmm. in the Clinton instance. And uh, it will come to a close. I-, I thought last night, you know, in the House chamber, and the Democrats were present, a substantial portion of the Democratic uh, members of the House were there, and senators. The buzz in the House was, you know, upbeat and positive. And I was talking to my friend Pete King, longtime member from New York, who is right. retiring this year. Pete said, you know, during the Clinton impeachment, you could just cut the tension uh, with a knife. And there was a lot of really, I think, hard, uh, hard feelings on the part of each member about thinking through the severity and import of the decision. And Pete said last night, you know, the atmosphere in here is like the impeachment thing's a highway bill. In other words, it was so partisan, so predictable so not generally believed that the approach was taken by a shift in the House managers. You know, it it, it, it didn't have the weight nope. that members felt so severely around debating the issues connected with President Clinton, where President Clinton admitted that he broke a federal law, and and that was known before the impeachment trial. I mean, he'd agreed to that. Yeah, I I agree. So that's going to be a that's going to be over today. The, when asked if he was going to talk about the uh, impeachment in his speech, the president said no yesterday that he would hold that until after the vote today. I'm I'm ready to hear what the president has to say today. It's going to it's going to be uh, interesting. Before I let you go, let me ask one last question. Uh some positive news has come out about uh some medical advances about the coronavirus. Uh, uh, the Wall Street has taken quite the beating over the last week. Uh, it started rebounding yesterday and looking like it's rebounding again today. Your thoughts? Well, today at 11 o'clock Eastern, there's a, a briefing here in the House with all the uh, National Institutes of Health and CDC experts for all members uh, in the House and Senate to get briefed on it. And I, my attitude about public health challenges is always over overreact, always mm-hmm. put your best uh, team on the field, always uh, do ed- education because you have to nip it in the bud. These giant contagions we saw in Ebola, uh, Ebola we saw in SARS, must be dealt with that way. And I commend the quick action by the Americans to help the Chinese sort through it. The president touched on that in the speech last night. So uh, I look forward to hearing today what the details are of the of the attack against uh, this virus. Well, we'll talk to you about that next week. We're out of time. Thanks so much for today, and uh, good luck on this whole afternoon. Best wishes. All right, we'll talk to you later. Congressman French Hill here on 
the Dave Ellswick Show. Glad to have him with us. Coming up, we'll have the news for you at 730. Uh, During that half hour from 730 to 8, I've got some different things we'll talk about. What was the voter enthusiasm in Iowa? Scalise to talk about the speaker tearing up the speech last night that the president gave. And then we'll play back the piece for you from the speech last night when Rush Limbaugh was honored in the gallery. So we're going to talk about all three things of those. Joe and Duck are coming up about cars later on this morning at 8 o'clock. Right now it's uh, 7.30 and 41 degrees. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.